This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Chief Human Capital Officers Council recently got a revival from the Biden administration. The Chicos are pondering the future of federal work. They've rewritten the council's charter. They hope to help modernize the federal workforce. My next guest says the council needs to model the behaviors it hopes to foster. Joining me in studio, longtime federal workforce guru, Bob Tobias. Bob, good to have you in. It's nice to see you in person, Tom. Yes, for those that are regular listeners know that we have been talking by Zoom for a long time and you in a remote house. So it's good to have you back in the center of things and joining us in the studio. See you in the flesh and you haven't aged a bit. <laughs> well, thank you, Tom. All right, so tell us about this idea, the Chico Council. It's basically a good thing that it's revived in terms of the federal workforce. Oh, I think it's a great thing that the Chico Council has revived and rejuvenated itself. And I think the next step could be to enroll themselves as a group in a good leadership development program as they suggest to other leaders that they should do, enroll themselves in a good leadership development program. And you make a distinction between development and training, and they're not quite equivalent, correct? They are not the same at all. I'm not talking about skill training, for example, how to fill out a performance uh, evaluation form. I'm talking about helping leaders learn why they are reluctant to conduct difficult conversations or why they believe a leader is expected to be the smartest technician in the room rather than a person who ensures that every technical voice in the room is heard before a decision is made. So the Chico's in the agencies at that level, aside from the council, they take care of a lot of, they oversee a lot of process related to the development of people, finding them, ingesting them, having them apply. But they're not the decision makers necessarily in who gets hired by the government. That's really the program people that are hiring. So it's an interesting relationship that the Chicos have with their agencies. So how can they better improve the hiring and onboarding and development of people that don't work for them but work for the agency programs? Well, they they make – the Chico Council makes policy. The, the individual Chicos seek to implement that policy. And one policy that's been in effect for a long time is more leadership development opportunities. And if they were to enroll themselves, they'd prove that it's possible to participate in a leadership development program, notwithstanding the time it takes to prepare and participate. They'd be able to debunk the myth, um, particularly high-level career leaders say, I'm too busy or I'm too important to be away. I don't think anybody is too important to be excused from learning how to be a better leader. So many leaders learn how to lead based on their first experience at McDonald's or Starbucks, and they develop a command and control, uh, a directive, a micromanagement leadership style that is no longer appropriate nor applicable to the kind of workforce the federal sector is trying to attract. So if other more successful leadership styles exist, and, and they require an expansion of current thinking to include a greater understanding of why they behave as they do, where it came from, and the adoption of new behavior that includes, for example, knowing really how to delegate authority and responsibility, addressing the needs of those they lead to grow and develop, training, uh, treating team members with kindness and respect, 
stimulating curiosity and wonder, not automatic rigid declarations, and creating a collaborative learning environment where team members learn from each other and are, and are able to solve today's complex problems. And those are just an example of what can be learned in a successful leadership development program. Yes, and because they have such a ambitious agenda for the council, they could develop their own leadership pursuant to getting all that done and pushing it down through the bureaucracy in an effective way that people are willing to accept. They could. They could. And, you know, some some leaders will say, well, I know all about that. And to those, I say, you who have already learned and are applying new leadership styles, your behavior would be validated and you'd be encouraged to do more. And, you know, all leaders in a leadership development program learn language that helps to better understand themselves, their ability to provide an explanation to those they lead, why they're changing, and language to support the development of those they lead. So this would be good for every leader at every level. We're speaking with Bob Tobias, a professor in the key executive leadership program at American University. And by modeling good leadership behavior and getting this kind of behaviors, the ones you outlined, throughout the government, that would ensure the next generation of leaders is better because they would have better role models. I can remember early in my own career, I worked for a man whose leadership style was superb and helped me a great deal later on. The guy he worked for that later became my direct boss was a micromanager that nobody liked, but side by side, you can really A, B different types of leaders and know which are better at developing people and which are just having people follow orders in fear. Yeah, it's it's much easier for me, Tom, if I've experienced the kind of uh, extraordinary leader I've described rather than being limited to a command and control type because then I, I know what it feels like. I know what the behavior I need to model. But if I only read about it in a book or try to imagine it, it's much more difficult to implement. All right. While we have you, I just want to switch gears for a minute. And the return to work, the return to the office is very much up in the air, how that's going to look like for the federal government. It seems to be bifurcating into a plan of managers and executives coming back to the office with some regularity, but not the rank and file. Our own Nicole Grisco has been reporting on this. And one of the reasons is the union management negotiations over this are not going well. And this from an administration that, as I put it, can't say the word job without having the word union in front of it. What do you make of what's going on? I think um, that this is a natural progression of coming back to work. These items are negotiable. Um, Union leaders, when they left the workplace, were facing managers who refused to even talk about um, any kind of a hybrid system or working at home. And now they're being asked to come back to work with these same managers. Trust has to be created. Language has to be created. And my expectation is it's going to work out just fine. It sounds like the line from an old crime and trial movie that I believe was delivered by Sir Lawrence Olivier when he had managers that before pandemic didn't want anybody to telework. you got to be there so I can count the noses. Now they are asking, then the pandemic came and they asked everyone to telework or forced everyone to telework. And now they want some kind of a hybrid. So what do they really want? As Sir Lawrence would have said, which one was the lie? <laughs> Um, That's a little harsh. but <laughs> It is a little harsh. But it does take some trust now that the rules 
obviously have to change. It takes some trust to define those rules in a way that makes sense um, for people who um, can work at home. And yet there are a lot of problems with working at home in terms of getting uh, job opportunities, building social capital, and all these issues have to be worked out. All right. Well, let's hope they get worked out because uh, it's a changing, morphing situation. Bob Tobias is professor in the Key Executive Leadership Program at American University. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about, but that's should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual. 
and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <clears throat> um, 
During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Want your business to have the best opportunity for success? Take a tip from tech industry leader Intel when you move or expand in Ohio. The new Silicon Heartland is the place forward-thinking business leaders find ample talent, a highly ranked business climate, convenient central location, plus an especially low-risk environment for site selection. Where else can you have all the room you need to grow while rubbing elbows with the giants in your industry? Visit successinohio.com today. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.